listening to Adoption, Fostering and Tea from the UK's LGBT plus adoption and fostering charity, New Family Social. Find us at newfamilysocial.org.uk. I'm Tor and this week I'm going to be having a cup of tea with Marie and talking about adopting a second child. Hiya. Hi Tor, hello. Hi Marie, thank you so much for joining us. I understand that you've been having quite a bumpy ride of it in the last year trying to adopt your second child and I just wonder if we can rewind a little bit and you could tell us about how you arrived at that point and then what's been going on for you of course yeah it's been a really tricky year tour all all in all and one that I don't think we were really we were really ready for or geared up for we had quite quite a, a seamless process although it felt so difficult at the time being first time adopters when we adopted our daughter yeah, a couple of years ago we only went through I think it was 13 months in total that was from expressing our interest completing the training attending the relevant panels etc and coming to the point of intros and and bringing our daughter home so 13 months although at the time it felt like a really long time I think in comparison we can understand now just how how easy that that process was really the last year has been really tricky so we we expressed an interest again to adopt it would have been towards the end of 2019 mm. we started the assessment process and then of course lockdown happened um, March everything uh, sort of stopped that caused a very small delay in all honesty it really didn't hold us up too much we got to the approval panel in May yes so it really wasn't it wasn't I'd say down to to the lockdown down to the pandemic our delays were a little bit different to that we were then initially matched with a child and for various different reasons two months ago that that fell through so we've been waiting for quite you know almost sort of the best part of a year thinking that this match was going to go ahead and then a couple of months ago we we found out that that wasn't going to be the case so we're in quite a strange position now where although we were approved to adopt you know sort of uh, around about a year ago we're actually now at that at that first sort of stage again where we're waiting to hear about you know children that that we might be suitable to look after so we're right back at the at the start oh, I'm so sorry that it fell through that's a horrible thing to go through thank you yeah it, it was certainly not something that we'd properly prepared ourselves for and I think you know you have the discussions with the social workers you think about it together you you try and be as prepared as you can but I think until it happens it's just something that you know it's one of those fears and one of those sort of worst case scenarios that that you don't really plan for. No and how could you because in a sense you have to as part of that process be imagining that child in your life and starting to imagine them in your family and imagining I don't know how the house will be and how the day will be and how your existing child will deal with it and all those sorts of things. And all the time, I think you're just opening up your emotions to this child with no guarantee at all. And all of a sudden it's over and it's really, really hard to get back up from that. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There was there was the the real sense and, and it happened a couple of times. There were a couple of times that last year where we thought, right, we're going ahead with this. And so it was that real sense of imagining that child in, in, in our family, in our home, yeah, with our daughter. Really, really difficult emotionally the last couple of months. But it's certainly we've spent a lot of time thinking about it, talking about it. And and I guess we do feel now that there's been some processing over the last couple of months and we're feeling more positive about the future. But but certainly a tricky, a tricky twelve months for sure. I bet it was. It's so, so difficult that. Mm-hmm. I think you you almost have to believe that you'll end up with the child that was right for you, don't you? But it doesn't help. It doesn't make that any easier as you're letting go of the one the one that might have been. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think you do have to hold on to that. And it's we interestingly when we when we had our daughter we were actually approved to adopt a sibling group Mm. and there weren't any sibling groups at the time that that needed a home that you know we were sort of matched with and our daughter's profile was shown to us um and the rest is is history so to speak (laughs) you know we are sort of holding on to that for whatever reason It, it you know it wasn't it really just wasn't meant to be but incredibly tough really really tough and not something not something that you do spend a lot of time preparing for or even thinking is going to be an option you know so uh, yeah it just highlights I think to us the complexities of adoption it's such a roller coaster isn't it because how could you simultaneously prepare for it to perhaps end while simultaneously preparing for it to happen mm-hmm. you can't split yourself in that way so you do have to jump off the fence prepare for it to happen and then when it doesn't you just sort of pick up all the pieces don't you it's mm-hmm. just really really difficult very hard very hard indeed we've talked a lot certainly I think that's helped um, and we have been able to look towards the future and sort of be excited again about possibility of of learning about the child that is right to come to come home to us you know that the family that we're going to build it's we're not sure who that is and what that looks like right now but it will happen I guess you know as as it's supposed to so we do we have started to get that feeling of excitement again and and looking towards the towards the future which is lovely yeah it's it's funny you saying that because when I in my old single days I used to uh, live with this guy so we were flatmates and we lived together for years we'd sit there you know having a glass of wine and a good old chat and we'd sometimes say can you imagine the person that each of us will marry is like out there somewhere now doing something you know they're like (laughs) going about their day and I wonder what they're doing and I wonder what they're like and when we came to adoption I thought of that again because at points during that process especially when it was a bit of a slog I was thinking like literally right now the child that is going to be my child Mm. is I don't know watching a tv show or in the park or eating a banana or whatever they're doing but they're doing something right now and I I sort of think for me I had to hang on to that because at the bits that were a slog it was I don't know I, I felt like I wanted to hang on because that child that should be mine was out there and now that I know that child now that I know him and he is mine I'm glad that I hung on and found him specifically Mm. it matters that it was him you know I absolutely yeah I absolutely that really resonates with me yeah our child is out there we're just yeah we're just not 
<laughs> we just haven't sort of crossed paths just yet. Yeah, you just <laughs> sort of hang on. Yeah, <laughs> we're holding on. And, and it, you know, you've described that so well. It is a slogging pit at times. It's that real, it's the roller coaster of feeling the most intense highs, the excitement, the fulfillment. But then there's the real challenges of everything being out of your control at times, you know. Um, so as it as is the nature of, of adoption, really highlighted the complexities, I think, in the last year. Yeah, I think so completely. So, But obviously you're already parents and you've already, I guess, learned a lot from doing the time that you've already done with your child that you've got. Um, how's that been for you? And what sort of things are you going to bring from that to the new adoption? Oh, it, it is... <laughs> Sorry, that's a big question. <laughs> it's you know just that roller coaster again. So I had I had the adoption leave. My wife had six six weeks off work, and I had ten months altogether. Mm-hmm. And I remember she our daughter came home when she was eight months old. I remember I'd done so much reading and so much preparation and so much learning, thinking about therapeutic parenting, thinking about all the approaches that we want to take. The age that our daughter came home, of course, all of that, you know, is always important at whatever age. But I was there was such a sense of feeling overwhelmed with the practicalities of what parenthood was, mm. of, of the um, just huge change in the daily routine in our lives and that took me a while that it really did take me a while for that to settle and at the age she was at of course things changed so quickly and routines changed so quickly and it took me a while <laughs> to to be able to move alongside her at, at the speed that she needed me to it felt really overwhelming when she first came home yeah, I completely recognise that. I felt utterly overwhelmed when our child came home. Um, and not even just in a gentle, benign way, but in a absolutely freaking out sort of way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. There were times, certainly, where where it, there were days, I think, where there were, again, really thinking about the complexities, where you could feel the utmost intense feelings of joy and then the feeling of oh my goodness what am I doing am I doing this and the the sheer panic and anxiety around whether I'm whether I'm doing things as I need to be am I damaging her am I doing am I interacting with it emotionally is she getting what she needs to from me real real complexity of emotions and that that was I guess probably a real a real process for me during the first year of her being at home and then and I was reflecting on this I've just started a course that, that just refreshes all of all of my knowledge around attachment and around how to parent therapeutically and I'm really enjoying it it's a really good time I think in, in my sort of journey as a, as a mom when my daughter hit the age of two I say 18 months two the word discipline comes into into the arena <laughs> wow <laughs> and that and and to all of us I said I'd read 
so much about therapeutic parenting in as much as I felt knowledgeable. I felt like I could talk to somebody about it and really feel, you know, like I could hold my own. I understand the concepts. But actually, when we're starting to think about what boundaries look like and what discipline looks like for our children, and that that's tough. That's tough. And I think a lot of those anxieties that I had at the, at the start around, am I parenting in the way that I should be? Is she getting what she needs from me? I think that they probably read their their ugly heads again you know yeah. during during this this age and and really and I, I know that's going to happen throughout her life at different stages but thinking about what putting those boundaries in place really looks like and, and when she's testing those boundaries I really have to think about what it means to be parenting therapeutically in the in the most practical of senses I've really had to evaluate that again in the last in the last six months to to year really have yeah I recognize that so much because therapeutic parenting is so easy when everything's going well because then you do the nurturing stuff and you hold them close and you all of you know all of this stuff but when it's a nightmare it's really hard to find that place you know when you're on the third night of no sleep and the child is being really challenging and understandable we can all we can all on a nice day when we haven't got a screaming child in our arms understand why the child is in that place and our heart can break for them that they're in that place I get that but put it at three in the morning and put it on the third night of no sleep and put it the child is pulling your hair or hitting you or something like that Mm. And you're not feeling quite so therapeutic anymore. You know, you're feeling like going with the school of uh, get me out of this room, <laughs> get this child out of my life sort of school of parenting. Yeah. And it, it's, I do, well, I, if, God, I, I, I get it. I do get it. Of course I do. I subscribe to it. Of course I do. But very occasionally at three in the morning, you think, bring me that expert again, because I'd like a little chat right <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely some of the best advice that we had around some of that was about sort of letting go of a whole load of stuff actually of trying to trying to be perfect and we did some um post-adoption support and it was really nice because they opened with this little talk to us about first of all you will have done stuff wrongly that's fine secondly you're going to do stuff wrongly again that's fine yeah thirdly you can tell us about what you did wrong and we'll help you figure it out but please understand we're not aiming for you to be perfect to this because you're not going to be and I felt really relieved because I felt like I could then say yeah do you know what he once did this thing and I did get really cross I was just cross I wasn't therapeutic at all I was just Mm -hmm. really mad Mm -hmm. and and sort of allow for not having been perfect at it and it still was okay you know that helped a lot what what sort of stuff did you learn from that do you think what was useful well, you've touched on something that I was going to to mention, actually, because one of the things that we were reflecting on this week in particular was the thing about being a good enough parent and what that looks like. Um, it's not about being perfect, absolutely isn't, which is, you know, that's a, a blooming good job, <laughs> all things considered. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's, it's trying to be, trying to be kind to myself to thinking about celebrating all of the the things that you know we're hopefully getting right or doing good enough for our daughter and it's most oh the hardest thing to talk to anybody about I think 
the pair, their parenting ability, their situation with their child. It can be one of the most sensitive things in anybody's lives. Mm. The the trainers that, that um, I've I've got on the course that I'm on now, I'm very sensitive to that and I'm really quite supportive. I do think being open to reflection is, is so important. Being able to think as you as you just said about the things that perhaps didn't quite go to plan and what possibly, you know, could be could be done yeah. differently in future. And and to and to laugh. There was a I'm giggling when you're talking about the three AM thing. Um <laughs> and I'm just remembering a situation a few weeks ago. And it is funny, and my wife and I are laughing about this now, and we're talking with our friends, and it is funny. But at the time, I just did not know what was happening. And our daughter walked into our bedroom early in the morning, sort of half five-ish. She gets up normally around that sort of time. Walked in. She asked me a question. I was half asleep at this point. Walked to my side of the bed. She asked me a question. I can't tell you what the question was or what answer I gave but was not happy with the answer I gave and this tiny little fist came right right towards my face oh, no. and oh. and now bearing in mind she's three this was it was definitely something that was just a real she was just absolutely disgusted in whatever answer I gave her for <laughs> and a half five but I was and, and I was absolutely there was, my wife woke up to this huge from me because I didn't know I was sort of half asleep yeah. but all I had was this tiny little hand coming towards my face and it's fun we can giggle about it now but at that moment I did not know what was going on yeah so so the stuff the stuff that you think about and you reflect on and you remember yeah you quite like the therapist to be in the room at that moment and just to guide <laughs> you as to exactly what you should have done <laughs> Exactly, because if you could press pause, if in that moment you could grab oh, the remote control, press yeah. pause on your life, have a good old think about the therapeutic way to respond. <laughs> but you've just been sort of hit. What do you do in that moment? It's like, right, you now have half a second yes. to respond. What you're going to do? Yes. And you're half asleep as well. It's so hard. Yeah. And, it's, and it is. I mean, it's it's. Um, she's a tot. She's only three. So so we're giggling about it now. I mean, mm. it was funny, but it but it is. It's that. Reflecting on those sort of times, there are times where you just you're just going to respond as a human. It's just a gut instinct in in that response of, and, and it might not always be therapeutic. Yeah, but I guess if the intention's there, and the intention to reflect, and the intention for it to be as best as it, you know, the best sort of parenting that it can possibly be, then you're on the right track. Yeah, do you know what? I think that's really valid because I think if it was therapeutic all the time, it would be therapy. Whereas yes, if it's yes, kind of up and down a bit, it's parenting. And that's yes. actually life because that's what real relationships go like. They're mm. sometimes good, they're sometimes bumpy. And I, I just think that is the truth and the complexity of relationships. And, mm. you know, yeah, we can all beat ourselves up for not being better. But if we're good enough, I think I think you use that phrase, good enough. And mm. it has to be good enough because it's all it's all we're capable of absolutely absolutely so now you're family finding again and uh what sort of age child are you looking for what are you hoping to find we are hoping to i'd say a child under 12 months we're hoping to we're, we're open to um 
gender certainly that wasn't really a preference first time round we were in a bizarre situation with our daughter because at that period for whatever reason there were several children that sort of you know that they would consider matching us with so we were in a, a very different position then we we did essentially have the option to to specify gender at that point mm -hmm. we I know that's a consideration for people and that's that's a discussion that you'd have with, with your social worker but it had never been a part of our criteria at all we'd never really thought about that being something that we felt strongly about either way yes we're at a different position now in as much as and possibly the impact of the pandemic and how things might start to change in the next few months you know for, for children in different situations but there aren't we're in the, the opposite situation now of there being more adopters than children currently yes whereas previously when we adopted our daughter it was the it was the opposite so we're in a we're in a position now where we're expecting there to be a little weight and we're just getting comfortable with that of course as we know in in within these processes that can change at the drop of the hat um, yeah you could get that phone call any time couldn't you but I guess you're going to have to hold your nerve on making sure it's the right child for you because it's it's one thing isn't it if they're talking to you each week about different children you feel able to say hand on heart I'm not sure that we're the right family for this child yeah. but if you hadn't heard anything for two or three months and then they ring there is that nervousness isn't there about if we say no to this we don't mm -hmm. know if they're going to come back to us for a little while you know absolutely and we in fact we've had that we had a, a, a discussion along those lines with our social worker last week she was just refreshing with us our our thoughts around different experiences around children of different ages we really had to have that that open and honest discussion with her that we mustn't let the time that's gone past you know the time that's passed since we were approved we mustn't let that impact our feelings about what we have capacity you know to deal with and, and we have to really stick to that for it to be right for us our daughter and for it to be right for the child you know for the for whoever they're thinking about talking to us about it, it's only fair that we are consistent with that but I absolutely agree with what you're saying there's that there's almost that, that desperation at times isn't there that you've been waiting for such a long time and you want this to happen you've got that vision in your head of the family together and you want it to happen so badly yeah absolutely it's really hard to be that patient and it's hard because your life is on pause you can't mm. make a plan for two months time because you don't know if you're going to have a new child so you don't plan anything although I mean we're now used to all not planning anything so maybe that's just normal now <laughs> yeah. remember the days when you could plan things um, but it is this weird thing of well we can't really agree to that we can't really plan that thing I can't imagine how things are going to be because we might get this phone call or we might not and on your plod really it's just really really odd I'm interested in whether your criteria for the kind of child and the kind of needs that you could take on if they have broadened because of an increased confidence in parenting or narrowed because you're now pulling a child in to have a relationship with your existing child as well you know I'm just curious I think what's broadened is our consideration of foster to adopt mm -hmm. we feel 
In fact, for probably because our daughter's a little bit older, we were we were really hesitant about considering Foster to adopt this time round because of the age of our daughter and her ability to understand yeah. welcoming a child into our home. And then the possibility, and we know that, you know, we've, we've explored foster to adopt with our social worker. We've had a lot of support around thinking about what that means. We know that actually, when we're thinking about foster to adopt, that the possibility of the child being returned, it's there, but it's it's not high on the list of things that are going to be challenging for a family when, when they're thinking about fostering to adopt a child. You know, the, the other practicalities around maintaining contact with birth mom and dad possibly you know the the different commitments that fostering would bring as a versus adoption there are lots of other challenges that you don't necessarily think of we were just really mindful that if a situation did occur where a child was placed with us and then didn't remain with us the impact on our daughter she would have been probably two two and a half around that around that time when we just felt yes. that was it, it would just be unfair we, we we didn't feel we could think about that we she's a little bit older now she'll be four this year so we feel we feel that it it would be manageable she has much a much a bigger grasp on on her everyday sort of um life and understanding things and we're able to give her words to vocalize things we just feel that it it we'd be able to explain that and she'd have hopefully a better understanding now if that was ever to happen so that that has changed a little bit we've obviously been guided by our social worker in thinking about that and had a lot of support around that but that I, I think is the biggest change in our our criteria I guess and what we feel we can manage yeah I can see why that suddenly feels a bit more manageable how would you explain that to your daughter Oh, now that's a huge bit. <laughs> <laughs> pretend you're at panel, pretend I'm asking you hard questions. <laughs> we all even from even from a really it, when she came home, when she right from the, the word go when she came home, we've always we've always talked to her age appropriately, of course, but openly and honestly about her life, her identity, who her birth mommies who had daddies I think it would be about using those honest and open explanation of the situation she what what we're I guess what we're grateful for is that she, we've we're both on the same page you know my wife and I we've always felt really passionate about advocating that she understand her identity her full identity you know we embrace that we celebrate that so she understands that babies sometimes don't live with the mummies whose tummy they grew inside so she has oh. that understanding she, she has that awareness that she grew in her mummy's tummy but she has two mummies that she lives with she doesn't live with the mummy whose tummy she grew inside so you know through the use of different books that we've got with lots of different things including a circle of, of friends that we're so lucky, you know, to have where there are other children that are adopted. So there's, there's, in her little world, in her mind, she's starting to understand about her family and about her 
identity and the people around her, I think that would help. I think that would help in her understanding that possibly this baby has come to stay with us, but that the baby can't live with us forever, perhaps is going back to a different family member. I think she has a good enough understanding of the difference in families and, and hopefully would be able to draw some comparisons, you know, to different situations to help her to understand it. Yeah, I can see that that sort of built up understanding over time could make that comprehensible and, you know, help yeah. her to understand. It's difficult though, isn't it? All of these things are quite difficult. The foster carers that looked after my son before he came to us, they'd held off fostering until their children were in their 20s because they felt like they couldn't cope with fostered children coming into and out of the home. They thought that the children would struggle with that. They waited till they were all in their 20s, but all of a sudden they got grandchildren then. And so the grandchildren then had to cope with saying goodbye to this baby that had lived there. And mm. um, it's, yeah, that complexity is there, isn't it, of how you deal with this in and out of these relationships. I think mm. it's really hard. Very hard, very hard. So looking at the journey that you've had I wonder if there are people in your position which might be around adopting a second child so going you know <laughs> round two yeah or just really what you've learned from adoption generally I wonder what advice you would give to people who are listening who are thinking about either adopting for the first time or adopting again I was one of the biggest pieces of advice that I would give is to be comfortable and um, Every single child situation is different and I know there'll be complexities that will quite often make it feel uncomfortable. But it's I think it's so important to feel comfortable with celebrating that your child's identity, with enabling your child to be proud of who they are, have an understanding of their birth family, and really be confident to to celebrate that I think if you can start but that has to come from the starting point of being comfortable with it yourself so going into the world of, of adoption and fostering understanding the complexities particularly in terms of adopting a child understanding the importance of being comfortable with with their birth family and what that story looks like and how you're going to support your child to understand their own story I think that's hugely important. I do think that there's, I think that will be a good foundation to enabling you to go through the process with some energy and enthusiasm and will take some of the fear away. You know, we were lucky enough to meet our daughter's parents. Mm -hmm. We, it was a, an incredible experience and it was something that we felt was so important. We were so nervous before doing that. <laughs> yes. Oh, so, I mean, it, oh, we were incredibly nervous. But it gave us, and I know, again, this it won't be the, the situation for everybody, but where you can, I would absolutely recommend doing that because it gave mm. us such a wonderful opportunity. We were able to hear about their hopes, their dreams for her, you know, their some of their concerns. We were able to put their mind at ease with lots of different little things, really little things, you know, have you got a garden was one of the questions that we were asked. So really little things that would mean the world to them in understanding a little bit more about our lives. We had a wonderful experience doing that. I'd say to, to embrace 
your children's birth family you know it gives you a good foundation for helping them to understand who they are as, as they grow up and despite all of the challenges and the difficult year that we've had it is absolutely worth every single second <laughs> of, of the difficulty of the stress of, of the um, turbulence it really is because you know we have our family and we have our incredible daughter and we feel like the luckiest women on the planet <laughs> because of that <laughs> so it is it's, it's you know absolutely worth every second of of stress and worry that comes with it is <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect thank you so much i'd like to thank my guest today marie if you enjoyed this podcast please leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends follow us on twitter at lgbt adopt foster and on Facebook, search New Family Social, all one word. Visit our website at newfamilysocial.org.uk. Adoption, Fostering and Tea is produced by New Family Social. The presenter was me, Tor Doherty, with music from Matt Doherty. The producer was John Jenkins. We'll be back next week with more guests and more tea.